0: and and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is writer-director Anna Kerrigan. We're going to talk about her film Cowboys, which I loved. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed checking out your film. Uh, Did you come up with the the idea for this film?
1: Yeah, I, I grew up in L.A., but I spent time in Montana during the summers with my best friend's family, and um, in a very like strange period of transition in my own life, I wanted to return to that part of Montana, which is the Flathead Valley. And I just started writing this movie that takes place there. And uh, It just started with a, a father and son on a horse. I didn't know where it was going. I knew they were running away from something. And then, you know, I, I realized they were sort of modern outlaws. Mm hmm.
0: I want to ask you, though, uh, I'm going to back up because I'm very intrigued. I I have a background in writing and I I always feel like I love letting things evolve. So I get like an Mm -hmm. initial idea
1: and then it just takes over me. Is that kind of how you write? Yeah, it actually is very different project to project. And that's definitely the way that I prefer to write. I started in playwriting and um, I was mentored by this playwright named Sheree Moraga at Stanford. And that was sort of the way that she taught me was just, you know, you follow this inspiration and you just keep writing and writing. And at first you don't really censor yourself and the characters kind of tell you where it's going and and what the story is. Um, And that's unfortunately the opposite of how the industry is sort of geared, you know, when you, if you are, if you sell something based on a pitch you know you come in and you have to have a very clear idea of the whole shape of the story all the structure
0: the character arcs everything Yeah,
1: exactly and so i'm always very concerned about that because you know i've found that sometimes a direction that i think it's headed in is not the more interesting direction once i actually start working on it
0: yeah i know because stuff comes to you and you can come up with this amazing twist
1: right Exactly. Like I, the best feeling is when you're in sort of a weird, not to sound woo woo, but you feel almost like a channel, you know, to some. I'm not higher power. I don't I know what it, it is, but no, yeah, I totally and get it.
0: It's and, and you're it just is, writing. It's the state of flow in positive right. psychology. That oh, that zone.
1: You get that sounds right to me. <laughs> 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 so, so when you're in a state of flow, and and suddenly your characters say something that you're like oh my god I didn't know that you know like there is this sense that that they're revealing stuff and and surprising you with facts and directions that you didn't know and if you start with an outline it's hard to tap into that
0: right so without giving too much away Anna give us a sense of what the film is about
1: Okay. Well, do you want me to give like nothing away or? <laughs> give a little teaser if somebody, okay. would, you know, yeah. All right. So it's about a, I mean, it's a portrait of a family um, that's all trying their best uh, and sort of failing with the limited tools that they have in, in rural Montana. And it's about a father and a son who are both outsiders in this rural community. The dad, played by Steve Zahn, had, is a complicated guy with mental health issues and his son is transgender and the mother doesn't accept his identity. So they take off looking for a better life and a place where they're accepted.
0: I loved it. I, I, I mean, yeah. I know I said it at the beginning, but I just, I just love how it unfolded and to me, it's so important to have films like this. Why was this so important for you to make?
1: You know, like I was saying, when I first started writing it, I think it was a, a very personal way for me to go back to this this place that I um that's very meaningful to me. Yeah. Um. But I also think that through the course of the film, I explored some of my inner conflicts as a liberal person from Los Angeles, loving a mostly conservative place like Montana. And that mm-hmm. sort of internalized conflict came mm-hmm. out in the film, but it wasn't like I was writing it with that goal. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. You know, and I think we found a, I'm proud of the way that we represent mental health issues in the movie where it's not like it takes over who Steve Zahn's character is. It's just, you know, something that he has to deal with and becomes an obstacle for him. And it was really important for me to find a non-binary or transgender kid to play the role of Joe uh, and I think, you know, Sasha Knight, who we found after a pretty extensive search, considering our very small budget, did an mm-hmm. amazing job. And I know that, you know, he's, he's giving a lot of people within the community something to be proud of. He was amazing. Thank you. We'll tell him that he's, yeah, he's a very talented kid. Oh
0: my gosh. I'd love to feature him on the show too. He was outstanding. Yeah, you should. <laughs> like as would Katie love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> how did you, uh, How were you involved in the actual casting? Did you get to select? Yes. I mean,
1: with a, with a movie at our budget, you know, it was truly an independent film. Um, I wrote it. I directed it. I was also heavily involved in the production side of things. Because um, you don't really have a choice, you know. Right. You, you have to be very hands-on. And I like that. I like to be hands-on. So I worked with the casting director, Edie Belasco, who I'd worked with before. She cast transparent. She's fabulous. Uh, we couldn't afford a staff for her. So it was essentially her and I. And we consulted with Glad, who had you know, seen the script and had been helpful with me in the past as I was sort of ushering the project along. And we basically, you know, we went through the regular channels of how you'd normally try to cast an actor. Okay. And we also went through nonprofits and Facebook groups and we just got the word out there and, um, you know, Edie narrowed down the selections, but I ended up kind of watching all of them anyways that were sent remotely. And then I worked one-on-one with about five or six kids and Sasha luckily was in LA. So that was a, a huge plus, And I was able to work with him in person.
0: What would you say would be some of the takeaways you want people to walk away from seeing the film with?
1: You know, I think very broadly, uh, the benefits of love and acceptance. Yeah. (laughs) But I think to be more specific about that, you know, what's the character of Sally, who's Joe's mother, who doesn't understand or accept that her child is transgender, goes through a journey in the film that I I want people to sort of look at, you know, apropos of how they move through the world. I think what's interesting about her character is that she, her own ego, her own idea of how things should be, how her family should look, this fantasy of what her child's future looks like. She projects all that onto him and she's unable to love and accept him in the moment. Right, And I think, you know, though very specifically, I think that's something that parents of transgender kids can think about. But I also think it's applicable to a lot of us who project our judgments and our expectations on other people. And it gets in in our way of accepting who they are. Definitely.
0: Yeah. I think it's a great message for parents because when she was talking to um, Sasha about you've got one path. God has one plan. You have got one body. And I'm thinking, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Was <laughs> that too much of a spoiler? I don't think so. But I think that's- I don't think so, yeah. I think that's the important message is unconditional love. I mean, you, you don't realize until somebody's
1: gone. Since, right. Until they've left, whoa, I really screwed up. Right. You know? Right. And I think we sort of take for granted, especially with family, that they're going to stick around and, and take it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um you you don't expect your 11-year-old child to run away from you.
0: Exactly. And I would I would imagine that is a huge challenge for parents to see at a young age a child come to them and say I'm not a girl. I'm right. I'm not feeling it.
1: Yeah, it was really, you know, one of the great things about the casting process was I spoke with a number of families who had read the script and it resonated with a lot of them. And, you know, a lot of the parents had similar, you know, some of them just instantly accepted their child like Troy does in the movie. Um, And then some of them went through a period of really struggling with resetting their ideas of who their child was, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we all get so hung up on gender and what it means to be a boy, what it means to be a girl. And, you know, ultimately your child is your child and it right. doesn't really matter, it doesn't matter what their gender is.
0: Yes, I agree. What else, anything else you'd like people to know about the film?
1: No, <laughs> Which, oh. it's available on Apple, yeah. Amazon yeah. Uh, and all sorts of other streaming and on demand. Okay, that's
0: <laughs> that was my next question. Okay, and um, are you on to your next project?
1: I am working on a few things. I'm attached to a couple of projects, but I'm not sure what is is going on next. And I, I never want to jinx anything. So I don't talk about what okay. I'm working That's okay. on. Yeah.
0: How are you doing in the pandemic?
1: Do you feel like you're really creative or you have days where you just want to go out and sit under a tree? Both. Um, <laughs> and I think that part of my, I mean, I'm lucky, I'm healthy, I'm okay. Um, but that's been part of my journey is like, is learning to be content, being alone and unproductive occasionally. Um, you know, for, I was really lucky. I mean, at the time it seemed like a nightmare, but now I realize how lucky I was in some ways, the pandemic, the first lockdown started before we finished our color grade. And So I had to do a lot of posts remotely. We opened at Tribeca remotely where we won a couple of awards and we did all the festival circuit remotely, but we still had to be finishing the film and going through the process of, you know, selling the film to distributors. And it's just, it's so much, the process of making film doesn't just end when you finish your final cut. It's a whole process. You know, now we're sort of wrapping it up with press and we've gotten it out into the world, but now we're dealing with international. So having this to focus on during this time has actually been great. You know, I'm actually more freaked out by what happens next. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't like not knowing exactly what the next project is, but I've been writing a lot and, you know, taking meetings and things have been moving forward, but it's, it's, it feels, all very surreal because it's all happening on the zoom screen
0: another filmmaker I was talking to was saying that their family and friends were like oh you must love this time alone because you're so creative and you're cranking out stuff and she's like no sometimes I just need to do
1: nothing and just
0: contemplate the sky
1: you know right right yeah taking walks I live really close to Griffith Park so that's been great Um, but it's, it's true. It's, you need to blow off steam. You need to talk to other human beings about what is happening in their lives, though. Not much seems to be happening in many lives. Um, and yeah, doing, it's hard to, when your home becomes your office, there's no place to be shut off. You know, for me being in specific spaces for work versus leisure is incredibly important. Yes. Um, And I don't have that right now. I've turned my bedroom into an office in my mind. What
0: else can you do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I didn't ask you, but what, what was your journey like before you got to making this film? Did you have a different background or did you always want to be a filmmaker?
1: I did not. It's funny because I, you know, I didn't even realize this until recently. I just, I was always into writing, you know, I was this kid who always wanted to tell stories my mom has these super long rambling insane stories I would tell her that she'd tape record and when I first started writing I would I would just do what I thought cursive was and I would fill pages of of course nonce it was not words it was just Um, but I thought I was writing and so that was sort of how I got into storytelling I always loved films and there were some rough patches in my childhood where you know really the tv was my escape Mm -hmm. But I just didn't even know there were women who were directors. It wasn't even like I lamented it, it just was something that hadn't even entered my brain as a possibility. And when I got to college, I started getting into theater and wishing that I was in a filmmaking program. And then when I moved to New York, I did more theater and I got involved in production and I just started making my own stuff. That's cool. Whenever I could. And I really, I mean, I didn't go to film school. I was terrified of accruing that debt, which I think is criminal. I mean, it's insane
0: yeah.
1: how unreliable the industry is financially and yes. how much debt they ask you to take on at these. Yeah, it's, crazy. Schools. it's insane. Um, and I mean, just debilitating. So I'm very happy I didn't do that, but I, you know, I made a feature on my own uh, I mean, you never make a feature on your own. I made it with very few resources, sure. and it cool. was whatever you know, it didn't go anywhere. But for me, it was my film school. Mm-hmm. you know, and it was a lot cheaper than film school, and that's
0: how you learn by
1: doing right exactly and And the first I mean, what I would say to anyone who's trying filmmaking is like who's who wants to be a filmmaker you're it's gonna you're gonna suck until you get better. Yeah. It's just unlike trying to be a writer no one has to see those pages. You don't have to, it's just you writing with film. It's like all these other people are witness and involved in you <laughs> making something bad.
0: Yeah, witness to <laughs> the crime scene.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: but it's true though, because I remember uh, taking screenwriting at uh, UC Irvine and, and writing oh, cool. that really crappy first draft and yeah. that crappy second draft, you know? And then you start understanding the more you watch, the more you write, what how to be, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. That's a good point that you bring up that even when you know that you can get a script to a good place, you're still going to write badly sometimes. Yes. And that's just part of the process. Like for me, I just try to get to the end of a script, but I, I over include every scene that I could possibly think might have significance, even if I have a sense that it's gonna be a scene that's just reference or it's just backstory that it, that it won't even remain just so I have a full picture of what it is. And then I can go in there and hack away and you know, make it tight and interesting.
0: That's awesome. Any last bit of advice for someone who is a writer, aspiring filmmaker and they're struggling right now?
1: Oof, just in general or during the pandemic?
0: During the pandemic.
1: I think that, you know, when I was 22 and just out of college, I was like so upset that I wasn't getting a book published or, you know, a play put on or my movie made. And the reality is that the longer you live, the more experiences you have. If you are thoughtful about them, they're, they're all just going to make you a more interesting dynamic human, which makes you a better artist. Um, so when, so when young people come to me, I mean, I actually find it so this, I, I should be a little more gracious because I also was this way, but when, you know, a 20 year old comes to me and is, is like, I'm ready to make my future. I'm like, no, you're not. You just stop. Live a little <laughs> more. Yeah. yeah. I don't also just like you meet people and you're like, I no offense, like you're lovely, but I don't care what you have to say <laughs> Yeah, You know, like you're, you're just developing as a human. Yeah. um, live a little more. And so I think, you know, any delay just is making you better.
0: Unless they do a short. Okay. Oh
1: yeah. Please make a short. Do make short. all the shorts. Yes. Why do you make, think do all the so shorts. important?
0: Why do you, well, I'm curious why you think that's so important.
1: I mean, as someone who I made kind of like a very low fi web series, um, that you also can't find anywhere because it's absurd but there are some parts of it that are very funny actually um but i did it for no money i think web series are also good um mm-hmm. but it is important just to get when you do a short there's just the technical management aspect of production that holds your heat your feet to the fire in a way that it's going to be like a hundredfold on a feature. So if you go from nothing to a feature, it's just going to be so overwhelming on a logistical, right. You know, uh, in a logistical way. So, you know, I think that the more shorts you do, the more small music videos, whatever it is, like you will know, every time you learn something every time you're going to have a better idea of how you need to prep for that and there's a very like unromantic aspect to prepping for filmmaking which is just a lot of work it's making shot lists it's planning sort of what your actors objectives are in every scene having a sense of what you're going to say to them you know and then of course things happen you have to change your plan but that's a lot easier when you have thought through it from every single angle. And I think people don't realize how difficult it is and how many balls you have to keep in the air. So the smaller your little, you know, your first dalliances in filmmaking are, the more you start getting a sense and um, of what a feature would entail and the better you become at managing a toolkit.
0: Definitely. It's like doing little internships and you take all that skill, knowledge, and experience, and then you apply it to the big, the big picture.
1: Yeah. I also think, honestly, working in a coffee shop, which I did for years and loved, you know, it all, it, that transfers over to filmmaking, like any, like managing people, getting along with different types of people, all of that stuff is really important.
0: In character development
1: too. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the best. (laughs)
0: I waitressed so in Boston years ago. And I was like, oh, I remember telling guys off. They'd be like, honey, get me this. And I'm like, honey, I'm not your honey. Like you, you just no. learn a lot about personalities and then you interview. Yes. Them. Yeah.
1: No, cool. totally. I was a waitress as well. That was a lot. Yeah. Waitress. But I respect everyone who was a waitress. It just sort of, it just in life, it, I don't know. It's just a, a good thing to have done to I be think in the so. service industry.
0: That in bartending is kind of
1: humorous. I did that too. Oh, that is way more intense. I could never do that. Yeah,
0: it was crazy. I didn't
1: want to deal with drunk people and stay up until four in the morning.
0: Well, I I didn't do that, but I did deal with drunk, very old men who would come into this bar in Syracuse, New York and order $10, 10 cent Pabst Blue Ribbon beers on a Sunday morning and watch the Three Stooges.
1: No, that's amazing. I love that they played those three stooges. It's it was so hysterical.
0: I, I had lost my, my summer job as a waitress at this restaurant in Syracuse because the restaurant burned down and I'm like, oh, oh my where gosh. am I going to work? So I got this job. I didn't really have a lot of skills waitressing. I did that, but then they taught me how to bartend and it was that shift or in the morning. It was crazy. That is so yeah. funny. Yeah, my amazing. next script, right?
1: Yeah, please. <laughs> <That> sounds awesome. <laughs> All right, cool. Give your website one more time. My website is anacarrigan.com. Okay. Uh, and you can, Sam Goldwyn is the distributor for uh, Cowboys. Amazing. So they also have information on their site. Congrats yeah. on that. Thank you. It's amazing.
0: All right. Well, I really enjoyed this. And uh, me too. So let, great to meet you. You too. And let me know other projects you come down the pipeline. It'll be a
1: second, but
0: <laughs> that's okay. No, <laughs> no rush. No. <laughs>
1: it's
0: not like I'm going to call <laughs> okay. you next month
1: or anything. Oh, good. Thank you. All right. Be well. (laughs) You too. Bye. Bye.